You're listening to the What Happens When podcast. What happens when two guys in front of a laptop talk about God knows what? And here is your host, Gene Van Horn. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the world's most dangerous podcast, our second most dangerous podcast. I might actually have to change that level of danger uh, just mainly because I, I lost a couple of hosts with my move here. Anyways, it's your host, Gene Van Horn. Um, I'm back after a long layoff or a long hiatus. I had a nice move to halfway across the country. So now broadcasting live from Houston, Texas, the great state of Texas. Um, and if you're new to this show, uh, you'll know that this is what happens when three guys sit in front of a laptop and talk about God knows what, or in this case, two guys today. Um, it's a show basically where a couple of friends get together and kind of talk about some topics in an entertaining way. Hopefully you learn something or hopefully you just have fun. Uh, with me tonight uh, is a guest friend slash buddy. I don't know. I don't know how to introduce him, but he's a two-time TED Talk presenter as well as host of the Perception is a Bitch Man podcast. Um and he needs no introduction. The interwebs around Deji Akinbade, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you, Gene. It's good to be here. Hey, man. Uh, thank, thanks for doing the show. Um, I know it was kind of short notice. I kind of just hit you up like on Saturday, Sunday? I think so. Yeah. It was, I think it was Saturday. Yeah. And we uh, decided to make it happen. Yeah. So um, I was listening to the pod podcast. It's hilarious, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I really, I really enjoyed the dynamic of the show. But uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of let the, the people know, you know, what it is you do and who you are. Gotcha. So um, I, I, I wrote this philosophy about perception. I, I think I've spent a good portion of my professional life really trying to understand um, the nature of perception, perspectives, and how that influences people's lives, the outcome of the lives we live. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote a book called Perception is a Bitch. And uh, writing that book gave me an opportunity to give or present my ideas on, uh, on a TED stage. So I've given two TEDx talks. Uh, the first one was at Independence Community College in Kansas City, mm -hmm. uh, the second at Kansas State University. And uh, now I'm hosting the show, trying to spread some some more ideas about perception and how she's a fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, so, so what got you like on that path of starting that that podcast? Uh, you know, I, I think most good ideas come from life lived or come from experience. Right. So they say necessity is the mother of all invention. Um, the guy who invented the fork was probably because he was trying to eat something and realized, man, my hands, you know, I can't do this with my hands. I, this has got to be a better way. But the guy trying to eat soup, realizing I can't keep sipping from the bowl, invents the spoon, right? Right. So in my case, I had had enough unfortunate events happen in my life that were a result of either my perceptions, how I interpreted things around me or basically how people perceived me and interpreted my behavior, my actions, or the things that I said. And I lived out the consequences of those perceptions, some positive, some negative. And uh, I just had this moment of epiphany one day where I just realized, fuck, man. Yeah, perception's a bitch, because 
yeah, I didn't mean that, but sure came out wrong. And <laughs> here we are. All right. So that's that's how that happened. It's it's life lived experiences from my life that just kind of led me led me down that path. Yeah, man, it's so weird. This is my first podcast doing without a live like studio guest. So right. uh, trying to keep an eye on like your video and, and uh, maintain like a weird eye contact with the camera is pretty funny for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was I was listening to the show and I listened to a couple of episodes, uh, including uh, what the fuck is water. Right. Uh, that was a great episode, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really funny, um, really informative. And and uh, I, I totally enjoyed the thought of it. You told a story about, um, I guess it was a professor that was helping you fill out a resume. Yes. Yeah. And um, he kind of kind of helped you change the way you were you were putting it out. And that reminded me of a story in my life. But for the people who didn't hear it yet. Go ahead and uh, like kind of relive. You don't have to relive the whole thing, but just tell us a, a little bit about it. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll kind of start it off again. The, the philosophy with perception being a bitch, and to start that episode, I told the story of two young fish who are swimming in, in water, come across an older fish, and the older fish looks at these two young fish and goes, "Morning, lads. How's the water today?" And they they kind of swim past him, not really thinking too much about it. And about ten minutes past that interaction. The one fish turns to his buddy and goes, you know, what the fuck is water, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the point of the analogy is sometimes the most obvious things are, are the hardest to see and hardest to talk about. So the answers a lot of times to the problems you're having in life are so obvious, but your perception doesn't allow you to see them. So in my case, I lived in Searcy, Arkansas. It's 20,000 people, about 98% of the, of the city's white, right? There's like 200 black people in the entire city. My name pronounced entirely is Akindeji Akimbade. Kind of sounds Muslim if you think about it. So I'm putting that on a resume, wondering why I'm not getting any callbacks, let alone any jobs. Um, I didn't realize this was perception at work and perception being a bitch in my life. Right. So about two years of job search. And so like there's this two year period of life lived for me where it was a bunch of minimum wage jobs, you know, making ends meet, not knowing where rent was coming from. Like, you know, that grind hustle of just like, man, I got to figure life out. This shit's not working. Right. So that was two years of life lived. And finally I had this professor who reached out to me and said, bro, I'm gonna just let you know what the hell's going on. Change your name on your resume because when people see that, you know, they're making perceptions and interpretations about that name that they can't even make it down to the qualifications you got on that resume. And I, I knew exactly what he was saying. He wasn't, he was right. But I had so much pride in who I was, where I was from and my name that I was sort of kind of blind to the cultural perspective of how, you know, living in White County, Searcy, Arkansas, how those people might perceive that name. So I finally changed it. Uh, I just shortened it to go by Deji, which is much simpler. And dude, I was employed in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've actually had a similar uh, experience in my lifetime. Um, so when I was younger, I grew up in a uh, predominantly black neighborhood. I grew up in like a very mixed neighborhood. Um, so I tended to uh, dress more like hip hop-ish or more hoodish. You know, it was a poor, poor side of it. Uh, tracks, so to say. Yeah. And, uh, 
I used to dress that way. Hoodie, do-rag, big old earrings and everything. And as uh, I began to branch out into business, um, I started to realize, like, people would talk to me a certain way. Like, I was a kid. Um, like, I, I wasn't a valid businessman. And right. And I would get pulled over all the time. Uh, and I had a mentor of mine say, dude, you know, you, you really get a lot of tickets. And I'm like, I know, man. He's like, what are you, fast and furious driving, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, do me a favor. For, for three weeks, don't dress like a teenager. And I was like, what are you talking about? He, he told me to <laughs> change, change my outfit, change, change the way I, I carry myself and, um, and see what happens. So for that time, right. I didn't get any tickets. It was like magic. Um, so you know, when you say when you say that, it it brings a it brings a thought. So I did this one episode called uh, um, what's called? It's the art, the simple art of not giving a fuck. Right. Is what it's called because too much in society they tell you don't care what people think about you. Right. Don't don't give a fuck. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a little misplaced because the reality is you kind of have to give a fuck because you make interpretations about people. People make interpretations about you all the time. Yeah. And and you're going to suffer the consequences of those interpretations. So in your case, you got a bunch of tickets you had to pay that when you look back over the course of your life, that was life lived. That reality you lived through was created by somebody's perception of you. Doesn't, doesn't mean it's who you were. Didn't, I mean, the way you dress didn't really speak to your character, but they make an assumption about your character based on how you put yourself and how you, not fair, but, you know, perception's a bitch, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once I changed the perception of that, I started to feel a little bit different. I started to feel more important. I started to uh, carry myself better into certain certain situations, and, and that changed a lot. But what what changed for me was the advice I got from from that mentor. He told me, um, he said, "If you don't like the way something looks, change how you look at it." I love that. So, um, I, I started to look at it instead of being a negative, like, "Man, why do I have to change?" You know, the way I look. I started looking at it like, "Why don't I take some pride in the way I look and stop walking around like I don't give a fuck?" Right. Because <laughs> that was my attitude. I mean, that's my attitude right now in general. I have a bad case of uh, the fuckets. I was born, you know, I was born with a bad case of that. So um, I kind of use that as, you know, my motto for most of my life. And right. uh, once I realized that I need to change people's perception because perception is reality, no matter, you know, what the truth is, there's always perception and that makes it the reality for whatever that person is viewing, you know, what's going like right now in our comments, we got somebody who's viewing this, uh, with a bunch of Z's they're falling asleep. Right. Um, so, so his perception is that it's boring. Although you and I perception is like, we we're having a somebody else maybe finding extreme value for us, for somebody else, this may be life changing information. It changes how their life turns out, you know? Right. Right. So you said something interesting in there. You said, uh, you know, I had a lot of pride in who I am. And um, that kind of brings me about, like, I heard you say that on your show. And, and I was like, this would be a perfect conversation to have with Deji. Um, is pride in general baffles me when it comes to certain things. Um, 
pride by definition is to be proud of an achievement or like happy about a, an achievement, right? So as we just finished Pride Month and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to do with like gay pride or anything like that. It's just pride in general to things like race, uh, religion, or I guess religion less, uh, but race, religion, sexuality, or like country. You know, you hear like American pride and, and you hear like you're Nigerian. So you're like really proud Nigerian gentleman. So, you know, that just baffles me. And I think it's maybe because I'm mixed race uh, that I don't really identify with being Salvadorian and I don't really identify with being white. Um, I, I was born, you know, in a poor area with a lot of like black friends, like I said. So, you know, I didn't really know what to identify with. So I didn't really have much pride of that growing up. So, so it's always been weird to me, you know, like when you say I'm, I was a proud, you know, Nigerian person, like well, what makes you proud to be Nigerian and, and why do people, have pride for things that they didn't achieve that's always baffled me okay um again i i look at it from the perspective of perception right and for me whatever culture you're born into are the shackles or the limits that you were born into and your job going through life is to rise above those limits so for me coming to america it's, it's funny you say that because when people talk about growth and wanting to grow in their lives, all growth means is adding on new perspectives, seeing the world in a way that you hadn't seen it before. So by definition, to grow, you kind of have to give up what you are, right? So when you take pride in the limits that you were you inherited from birth, that's where a lot of people lose and miss growth and wonder why they never grow or because you just you 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 fail to see the world through other lenses, through other perspectives, other filters. So the evolved man is somebody who can rise above the cultural limitations. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some stuff that I enjoy about being Nigerian. You know, there's parts of my culture that still serve me today, and I love. But to live in America and take pride in being Nigerian is to miss the very beauty of what America can offer me. Does that make any sense there? So yeah. essentially what I tried to do was not be Nigerian and not be American and not be limited to any one of those perspectives, not basically not take pride in it. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I always just find it odd. like. Uh, like, okay, I understand, um, I understand people when they say like black pride, right? But I think it because it comes from, they've been oppressed for so long. Uh, right. so they're like, well, I, but I don't understand, like, I don't understand where the pride is, is directed towards. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, I've never understood that. Or like gay pride, uh. It's weird because if uh, a straight person has straight pride, then automatically they're seen like a bad person. Right. And and that's weird because they're just expressing their pride in their heterosexuality. And you're okay to express your pride in your homosexuality, not you specifically, but in this case scenario. But if I but if I say I'm proud to be straight, it's like, well, what do you don't like gay people? Well, do you not like straight people like I? I, I, that's a weird, then it begins this like weird tribalism 
that begins to separate us. And I believe tribalism was like great for a time, right? We had mm-hmm. a time in, in human history where tribalism helped us survive and move forward and build civilizations. Um, but I think that it's we're becoming a global world and tribalism is going to be less important um, if, if you get what I'm saying. 100%, 100%. So there, there's two kind of thoughts that, that kind of pop into my mind when you say that. Like, first of all, I think that when you stand for something, by definition, it means you stand against somebody else or something else. So when you say I am proud to be straight, then you may not mean it that way, but now you're basically saying unintentionally that you don't like gay people, right? So when you take a stand for something, you automatically are standing against something else. That's that's just that. Um, and I also think this whole need to feel pride in something is biological. It's this archaic biology that I don't know we human beings have evolved out of. For example, here, here's a good analogy. If, if you adopt a kid right now and you show them all the love in the world, right? Logically, they should not want to figure out who their biological parents are because they got the very point of raising kids, which is to be loved, fed, they got a good education. You probably even sent them to an Ivy League school, paid $100 million or $100,000, how much it costs to send them to a great school, great education. They had a better life with you than they would have had anywhere else. However, though, at some point, that kid, him or her, still feels the need to find their biological parent. That makes no sense to me. Right. But I, I get it. I get the biological need to want to know where you're from, to this archaic need to want to figure out what your origins are. I think human beings haven't evolved beyond that biological desire the same way we haven't evolved beyond, you know, wanting to have sex to reproduce you know, in, in the world. So th- those two kind of correlate, at least in my mind. I, I could. I could see the train of thought there and I could see where you're going with it. Um, I just, I just find it weird. Okay. Like, you know, one that really, really gets to me is birthdays. Uh, everybody's like, yeah, I'm a birthday. Like you didn't do anything to, to achieve this, but you're so happy that it's happening. And it just, it just trips me out. Like in essence, you're basically celebrating a day that you came out nine months after your parents had sex. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but again, like, like existence is pain, man. And we have <laughs> existence is pain. And, you know, motherfuckers got to have birthdays to kind of numb, numb the pain of existence somewhat. So we fill existence or our lives with these mile markers, these ceremonies. And in a way, that's how we remind ourselves that, you know, life is still worth living and there's still a tomorrow worth waking up to. Uh, working up for, um, you know, we do the same shit with weddings. We do the same shit with, you know, anniversaries. Anniversaries are kind of pointless, right? If you think about it in, in that same kind of regard. No, uh, no, because you work. I don't know about you, but I work at my marriage. I, it's it's tough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. heard your oh, podcast. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perceptions almost ended my marriage multiple times. <laughs> Mine too. I got battle scars. Yeah. I've got the parts to prove it. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I understand those things. Like, okay, you win a championship title, you get a promotion, you you make a million dollars, you do something that requires some point of work. I respect it, and um, 
I uh, I find it uh, something that that should be celebrated. But like, here's a question that I often ask: like, if you had the opportunity to be born again, like start life all over with everything you know now about right. life and how it works, would you pick to be Nigerian again? Me, no. Right. But 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 that's personal, right? Like if you ask somebody who was born in America, if they if you ask Donald Trump's son if he'd be if he'd do life over again, what do you think he'd pick? Well, well, so here's the thing, because <laughs> he's been on a better side of life. He definitely wouldn't be picked to be poor. He wouldn't pick right? to be Nigerian. That's for sure. Right. That's what I'm he saying. He wouldn't pick to be born black. Right. I think a lot of people wouldn't be picked to be born black um, or, or, or because, women. Or women, or exactly right, and marginalized. Right. Be real, any marginalized cultures. Yeah, any marginalized culture at all. I think, I think that um, that's why the pride in it baffles me so much. And I'm not saying that only white people should have pride because they're not marginalized. What I'm saying is, even if you're born white, why are you so proud to be born something you didn't choose? You were just born that way. So this this. I don't want to get too political, but we can get into conversation about the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black power. Mm -hmm. It's it's a fight for power. That's that's all it is. You know, and I want to choose my words carefully. But there, there are certain things that are just inherently human. And it's got nothing to do with color or race. It's just it's just human nature. It's human nature to want to discriminate and marginalize people because we're all seeking power. Right. So the context of it is going to be different from culture to culture. So I can tell you that growing up in Nigeria, we had slaves. My grandparents had slaves. We called them housemaids, but they were basically living slaves, right? right? Like that's black on black. Here in America, you know, it's black and white. But the fundamental point is human beings always seek to kind of marginalize other human beings. Right. And there have been tons of studies throughout history that show this. The blue-eyed, brown-eyed brown eyes test, uh, where they told the kids with the blue eyes that they were better than the kids with the brown eyes. And just by telling them some subjective bullshit like that, they began to believe the bullshit and discriminate the white kids with brown eyes, right? right or even the prison experiment, they tell some people that, hey, you're the guards and you're the prisoners. And then over time, the ones who were called guards start treating the prisoners like shit. That's human nature, right? So what baffles me more is that we get sucked into the context of it and make it a black and white conversation mm -hmm. when it is really a power conversation. Human beings want in power over other human beings. Fuck, all you got to do is watch Lord of Flies if you ever seen that movie. And even that kids, kids, fucking 12 years old in the jungle. <laughs> and they were all white. They were all fucking white, right? <laughs> right. So when we black people are trying to gain power, it means that somebody else, in this case, white people have to give up power. Sure. Right. And there's no true system to kind of balance the power. It's with human beings, it's an all or nothing. So white people trying to balance power, the fear is, oh, now they're gonna take all that power of the black folks and just, you know, run away with it. And, you know, so it becomes this weird dynamic, but yeah, 
I think the context of it is what throws people off from generation to generation. It's 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 more a human nature thing, and human beings just want to have power over other human beings. You know what really trips me out with that aspect is the person who has zero power, but his perception is that he has a bunch of it. Uh, like let's just say the random uh, guy in Middle Texas, which is like poor town USA, but for some reason feels like he has some sort of power over you, Deji, who's like wealthy and affluent but he somehow thinks he's like yeah white power better than you it's like those those people baffle me like i you know what when perspective like perspective really changed for me is when i right. grew up and i realized that i was poor like growing up yeah, yeah. Because, you know when you're loved my mother loved me my mother did the best she could do my father left uh when i was seven or eight uh they divorced later on um you know, my dad was a bus driver. He made pretty good money. My mom's a nurse. She worked at a pediatrician's office. She made good money. Mm -hmm. um, but at about third grade, third or fourth grade, is around the time my dad left. And um, I remember going from private school to public school. Right? So when okay. I went, I was at private school, and I always felt weird around, like, all of the other people. And I could tell that some of the people looked down on us. Right. Um, and then I realized, like, my friends couldn't come over and play at my house where we lived at in our part of the neighborhood. I had to go over to their house. Like, we had some friends that, you know, they lived in a nice neighborhood because we all went to the same private school. So yeah. my parents could afford to send us there, you know, when they were married. But then when they got divorced, we had to go to public school after that. And then um, probably about fourth or fifth grade, I realized, like, oh, wow, we're actually poor. Yeah, and that changes changes your outlook. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. It changed it changed my outlook. It changed my uh, it changed my perspective on what poor is, what wealthy is, um, you know, and and how to move forward. And then it kind of shaped me for my my children now and how I'm trying to parent them. Yeah, yeah. So so it was. I think that's why. Uh, what the fuck? Water, what the fuck is water? Really resonated with me. Uh, was it, it was you know that feeling of looking around like what the fuck is water and then realizing like I'm in water, yeah. Right. One of my my favorite uh, sayings, real quick. One of my favorite sayings is, uh, "You're an ant on a runway. You never know what the fuck a plane is." I like that. Yeah, it's a question of perspective. Yeah, you you could see the plane, you could observe it doing stuff, but an ant on a runway has no clue what it is. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share something that I think the audience might benefit from. So, and I don't want to get too philosophical here, but if you think about it this way, COVID-19, I think, has kind of accelerated life by, call it 10, 20 years. So wherever the world would be in 10, 20 years is where we are now. So I think one of the big misconceptions out there or misperceptions, misinterpretations is thinking that COVID changed the world. It didn't change the world. It just sped up where we're going to be. Now, what that means for the average person listening is you begin to see how it's shifting our economy, right? And you and I kind of feel the, the brunt of that. Uh, but if you look at where the world is going to, everything's online, everything's digital, People are still talking about jobs that are not going to come back. Right. 
right? Asking like, when is normal going to come back? And I'm like, normal is not coming back. For example, you think about sports, for example. I was at a gym working out the other day. They're playing soccer. And I realized that there's no fans in the stadium. Right. Right. The NFL, the NBA, they're about to start playing with no fans in the stadium. But then you have you ever seen those Oculus VR glasses? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about this. You can watch live sports with friends and family anywhere in the world and and, and have courtside seats. Yeah. With your Oculus glasses. Will we ever need to be in stadiums anymore? Now going to a stadium is like going to a zoo. Right. To just, see the <laughs> just for nostalgia's sake, let's go check out the animals, you know, because we can't make it to the fucking safari. Right. But right. So that glasses, virtual reality, theoretically, until it happens, has changed the way we watch and experience sports. Yeah. So think about the thousands of people who got displaced from their concession stand jobs or the GM at uh, you know, NRG arena, Staples Center, you know, all wanting their jobs to come back. And again, I look at that guy and I go, see, that's the example of a fish in water where the world, you're so oblivious to the world around you. You don't even know what's changing. You know, you're still stuck on how the world used to be. You can't even see how it is right, right. now. Right. Yeah. That, um, that actually goes for like, uh, Netflix. Netflix was kind of the first wave of like changing it, but that 3D thing has been around for a while. You could be able to watch it on NBA.com, like from from the uh, goal, the, the right over the hoop. You know, you could be able to watch it from there. I watched a couple of boxing um, matches from the corner um, mm-hmm. with with my cell phone, bro. Like you put it on your cell phone, you watch it. It's there. It's, it's pretty like crazy. Right yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. They're the best seats in the house. So uh, I know exactly what you mean, man. I, I've kind of I've kind of listened to your show, and I think you said that on uh, I think it was this the show after maybe it was after uh, what the fuck is water or what it, it was on what the fuck is water. Yeah, I, I heard you say that, and I was like, yeah, man, that exists right now. Like they've been doing it for a while, and trying to push it for a while. Right now, it's going to blow up. If I had money, I'd put it on VR. So think about this. So when the crash happened in '08, like that was another market economy change. Right. right. Where, you know, you, you look at the companies that came out of that era, that crash, it was Uber, it was Netflix, it was Facebook, you know, it was Instagram, right. uh, you know, and, and those businesses that existed prior to that crash. But when the economy shifts like that, it gives a platform for what I call a wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. But it becomes very hard for people to see what's fucking obvious you know because people are still stuck in what careers should look like or what jobs their interpretation of what going to a job should look like that they're yeah. not seeing that look man that world you're so dated right now you don't even know how dated you are <laughs> right <laughs> you know like peloton just you know uh lululemon just fucking bought mirror yeah. most people don't even know what mirror is yeah yeah mirror is a virtual trainer it's At like at home, it's a fucking. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And people still talking about, oh, when when can I get my gym job back? It's like, yeah. bro. <laughs> when when is your trainer going to be back? Yeah, 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 yeah. That world does not exist anymore. You're fishing water. Yeah, yeah. It's I I feel you on that, man. That is that has been a crazy like paradigm shift, even with digital currency, right? People are now starting to like, oh, this Bitcoin thing might actually be a thing. No, it is a thing. 
It, yeah, it, yeah. This, block, this blockchain thing might actually. Golly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have several cryptocurrencies in my in my um, portfolio, um, and I've I'm mad because I actually had an opportunity to buy Bitcoin when it was a hundred dollars for Bitcoin, and I had like twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars to spend on right. an investment at that time. And uh, I ended up loaning it to a friend so he could pay his 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 uh, mortgage or rent or something because uh, his wife was losing the house or something. So I, I gave it to him. I never got the money back. And then I, yeah, didn't, buy, <laughs> I didn't buy Bitcoin. Just give him a, give give it to him as a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift. I didn't. I, I knew once it left, it was over. It was done. But here's the thing about perception, right? Like hindsight is a bitch. Because only in hindsight, if you have the self-awareness, do you realize how much your perception or your false wrong perception fucked you over. Mm -hmm. It's weird that we have 2020 vision, hence the quote, hindsight's 2020. Right. We've got perfect vision looking into the past to see all the mistakes we made, the misinterpretations, and all the opportunities that would have, should have, could have been. But unfortunately, we don't have same set access into the future, right? right? And that's, in my opinion, one of the many flaws of perspective. Hence the quote, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can only see shit after it's happened. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that, man. That's that 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 is a bitch right there. You know, hindsight is a bitch. Cause right. then you could see the error of your way, right? You're like, fuck. Yeah, couldn't I have seen this in the future looking forward? <laughs> yeah. 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 That that's that's definitely one of my uh, one of my good qualities is uh, like future vision. Um, mm -hmm. One of the another thing that I, if I just had the money, I would have done it myself. Um, but I had the vision for what Netflix is now, or like what yeah. Disney Plus is now. Um, it was probably about ten years ago. So okay. Netflix had just went digital. Like they just started doing like at home stuff, no content of their own. Uh, I was working for Master P at the time and uh, Master P was about to buy a, um, a what's it called? Uh, a, a TV station, like a channel, because Oprah was just getting ready to open own. Own. Right? OK, gotcha. So I told him, let's not go terrestrial TV. I was like, let's go Internet network television. And he's like, what is that? I said, it's something that doesn't exist. I'm making it up right now. And he was like, well, what are you talking about? I said, the internet is the wild, wild west. We can do whatever we want. We can charge whatever we want. As long as we bring content that people want to see, they'll pay mm -hmm. for it. And this was before like anything was big. And I was telling them, let's call it internet network television. I even had how we were going to market it. Um, it was INT for short and we were going to play like old football clips of yeah. like Montana dropping back. He throws it into, the, you know, oh, interception. Cause you know, interception is INT. And then we go yeah. a new like way that. of watching TV, internet network television, right? That's what we were going to do. I could not get anybody to understand what I was saying. Two years later, Netflix starts creating their own content and the rest is history. I was so pissed. Dude, see, that, that's the thing. So a lot of times you have to recognize when you're talking to people like those two young fish who are in water and don't even know that they're in fucking water. Right. Right. Like that's that's 
damn near half the battle. It's, it's the reason why people can't see the change happening in the world right now. And kind of like we just talked about in hindsight, you know, perception becomes the fucking bitch. <laughs> Man, I love the show. How long you been doing it now? Uh, I've been doing it about a, a year in March. So right at about a year, a little over a year. A little bit over a year. That's cool, man. So you're how many episodes in? 63? 64? 63. Yep. Nice. What, looking back on it, which, what's been your favorite episode? Okay. So What the Fuck is Water is probably one of my favorites. Um, I like episodes where I can just geek out philosophy and just kind of run rant. Mm -hmm. um, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is another one that I that I really enjoy. Because I think that took a pretty popular concept with the book Mark Manson already wrote. Mm -hmm. There's another TED talk on, on that title, same title, where I could really just explain to people the problem with perception. And then any episode that I do with my wife is really up there with me because that's that's where we get the alcohol out. You know, we get the, the coconut tequila and it's 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 it's. It's super fun because she brings a dynamic or an element of fun to the podcast that that is refreshing for me. So she, you know, if you could see the setup, she's got a glass, I got a glass, and we're just pouring the tequila. And half the time we're talking for like five hours straight, but you know, no one wants to listen to a five-hour podcast. <laughs> so we gotta turn it off after about an hour. But those two episodes stand out for me and really anyone that, that Sarah's on, uh, I like just because the dynamic's different. Yeah, it, it does bring a, a change. I mean, when I first started this podcast, it was me, my brother, and our close family friend who's basically like our brother, right? Um, and it was just three guys just goofing off. At some point, I added a friend of mine who's a cosplayer. She's a female friend. She does cosplay. And she would have her – she gave a different dynamic to the show. And right. uh, it adds a different perspective because at the end of the day, guys usually come to some point of like agreement, right? Mm -hmm. um, because we kind of have the same perspective. We're guys, you know? So when you get a girl in the mix and she's pretty vocal about her point and it, it just mixes the show and it makes it better um, in some areas. And in some some cases, you're like, okay, okay, calm down, lady. You know? <laughs> Say that, you know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> now in 2020 you might get in trouble perspective <laughs> how, how did you get your wife to to be interested in because my wife won't do it to save her life she she would yeah. not do it i'll give you the secret it's the alcohol <laughs> we don't drink <laughs> oh y'all don't oh okay um shit you might have to find something so i had to bribe sarah that that was it that was it and the only thing that she she loves more than me is coconut tequila so uh, I was like, hey, look, we can we can sip a little sip, sip. And uh, she's got the humor of a 12 year old boy. Yeah. And this is like, hey, let's, you know, and she was like, hey, if I get the drink, I'll 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 give this a shot. So, yeah. Hey, man. Uh, so we just got a shout out in the uh, comments. It says this is a fire podcast, bro. Very informative. Bless up. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I'm I'm actually appreciating that too because it's actually a different style than what I normally do. What I normally do is, uh, you know, basically BS. But every now and then I'd have like a serious conversation. We try to keep it light, man, just mainly because there's enough serious stuff going on. Um, right. But but we do try to keep it, you know, fun and and entertaining. But 
I really wanted to sit down and have this conversation with you because I haven't had to uh, hang out with you in person or got to hang out with you in person in a while. So I think probably like seven months since right, last yeah, time yeah. we saw each other. So I wanted to, you know, sit down, pick your brain and your podcast gave me that, that avenue. And I've been really trying to get this thing back on the ship on the road. It's just been a, it's been a, a journey, man. Right. Dude, I, I, I appreciate it. And one of the challenges about philosophy is it, the shit's boring, you know, just call it out there. Um, so the challenge is how do I help somebody see the value in a different way of thinking, but present it in a way that's entertaining and, and fun, you know, and, and that's what we try to do. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man. Yeah, I think you're achieving that, man. It's a great show. Um, we'll probably wrap it up here because, let's see, it's been about 41, 42 minutes. We'll, we'll give it a night's rest. It was a good show back. But go ahead and uh, let them know where they can find you. I'll put some links in the comments on, on my podcast and stuff like that. But but let them know where, where you're at. Okay, so uh, you can find me on any audio platforms, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, it's perception is a bitch. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Perception is a bitch. Uh, just anything. Perception is a bitch <laughs> on any platform. You you'll find me. Right. Yeah. That's that's a pretty you know easy name to not easy, mess right? up. Yeah. <laughs> so find him out there. Apple Podcast. There'll be a link to his Apple Podcast because he really is proud of the Apple Podcast guys. I'm like, look, I listen to you on Google. He's like, no, no, Apple Podcasts. Go give me look, a man. If you ain't got an iPhone, you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Zero iPhone over here. It's a Google it, it, family. Look, look, don't, don't. Hey, look, there's enough. I've got enough people who validate my perception on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perception that I fight hard against. Uh, hey, hey, that, that, that perception is reality for a lot of people. It, dude, dude, it really is. It really, Apple is genius at their marketing. They're, they're oh, genius! I, yeah, we'll we'll actually get back together in a couple months and, and talk about that and just marketing and how they go because you got a brilliant marketing mind and you're a you're a great sales guy on your your own right. So make sure everybody that. goes to uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever they podcast and and look up Perception is a bitch. He's got some merch on there. Uh, I don't have a promo code. Maybe I could get one from him, but. Go ahead and uh, support my man, Deji Akinbade. Appreciate you having me, man. This was fun. Thank Thanks you. so much, man. I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and log us out of the show. All Thank right. Thank you very much, sir. Be safe. Bye. You've been listening to the What Happens When podcast. Tune in next time to find out God knows what. <laughs>